in Paul's day, just like in our day today, there were many philosophies, many paths or many ways to live your life and many people saying this is the truth and that is the truth. But we're not to be taken captive by worldly philosophy because empty philosophy produces empty people and takes us on a path to destruction. What we really need is God's wisdom found in Christ. And we'll explore that more today in Colossians 2 on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Colossians 2.8 says these words. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, Colossians 2.8, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Philosophy can be defined in the following manner. It is the speculative attempt to present a systematic and complete view of reality Philosophy is the attempt to describe the ultimate and real nature of reality. It is the attempt to determine the limits and scope of our knowledge, its source, nature, validity, and value. It is the critical inquiry into presuppositions and claims made by the various fields of knowledge. In many ways, all men and women are philosophers because everyone has a life philosophy. When you look at the word philosophy, it comes from two Greek words, and they're not hard to see once you realize what they are. It's the Greek word phileo, or philos. It's the word for love. And it's the Greek word sophia, which is the word for wisdom. And if you put the two words together, what you have is philosophy is the love of wisdom. The question is, whose wisdom do you love? There's been a lot of man-made... Constructs that have been put out there, and man is, of course, by nature a searching creature. Lauren Isley said, Man is the cosmic orphan. He's the only creature in the universe who asks why. Other animals have instincts to, gui- instincts to guide them, but man has learned to ask these questions Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? I think everybody who walks the planet asks questions such as these. Everybody has a philosophy. The question is, whose philosophy are you following? Some people say, I just follow my own life philosophy, whatever that may be. But the Bible has a certain uh, construct or system by which we are to live, and it's laid out in the Holy Scriptures. But there have been many, many people who have tried to come up with their own. Man's been doing this really since the beginning of time. Many of the quotes I'm going to share with you come from John MacArthur, and Ravi Zacharias and a couple of things that I've been exposed to over the last several years. David Hume, who was the British philosopher, uh, he was definitely a skeptic of Christianity, said, I am confounded with the forlorn solitude in which I am placed in my philosophy. But he was drawn to hear George Whitfield preach, as I shared last week. He showed up And he wanted to hear George Whitfield's preaching and somebody who was walking towards the location said, I thought you didn't believe in this stuff. And he said, I don't, but he does. Even though he wrote things against Christianity, he certainly was interested in seeking. The 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche 
By the way, uh, Nietzsche was someone who ultimately his house was used for the printing of Bibles after he was gone. God does have a sense of humor because he said Christianity and the Bible's going to die. God is dead. And a T-shirt came out. Uh, you know, it said something like this. God is dead. Nietzsche. And the back of the T-shirt said Nietzsche is dead. God. And here's the thing. Man's philosophy can only take him so far, and usually where it takes him is to the grave, and frankly, oftentimes into judgment. Because man tries to explain the world and everything in it without God, and it's hard to explain a world that God made and sustains without God. He made the universe, and you're bound to run into him. But since the Enlightenment, man has tried to really divest himself of God, and he found something dark by doing so. He found that the answers were only darkness because if you don't have a God who makes sense of it all, and we are simply the product of mindless, purposeless chance, we're all in pretty deep trouble. Richard Dawkins of Oxford University, a renowned evolutionary thinker, says these words. In a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason for in it or, in it or any justice. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is, and we dance to its music, close quote. There's the philosophy of the world. There's the philosophy of evolutionary thinking. But you may be sitting here this morning, and you may be asking a very basic question. Why should I care? I get 60, 80, 100 years on this planet. I'm going to live. I'm going to die. I'll figure it out as I go. Or maybe I'll figure it out after I'm dead. I'll figure out if there's something beyond this life. But do you know this? Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly, not just the promise of heaven, but life during life. And what happens with man-made philosophies at their very core is an emptiness. It's a hollowness. Notice in verse 8. We are warned to see to it that no one takes us captive by philosophy and notice empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of this world. Notice it says that man's uh, philosophy is ultimately at its core empty. If I had a barrel up here and I hit a hollow barrel on the outside, boom, it would go boom, 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 boom. It would show that on the inside there was no substance to it. Philosophies in life can look good. They can have a lot of promise of wealth or pleasure or that kind of thing. But in the end, and many systems even that are religious and you know, tell you that the way you earn your way to God is by beating up your body or denying yourself everything, all of them are based on a man-made system. The question is, is there a philosophy that you and I can live by and die by. Swindoll famously said, Charles Swindoll, it's not if you can live by your worldview, it's if you can die with it. And this is really what's at the heart of C28. I gave that reference because I mentioned to you in a previous sermon that C28 was a Christian store. I'm not sure if it's around anymore, but it was, it was started by Aurelio Barreto who was doing very well, he was wealthy, he bought a Porsche Turbo cash uh, after he sold a company, 
But he said he found himself just utterly empty. Possessions didn't do it. You know, today in American philosophy, American philosophy is if you get the house on the hill, the cool car, enough possessions, then you will be content. That's American philosophy. But the people who seem to have that stuff, I don't know if you've noticed, they ain't doing too well. They go through marriages and divorces and marriages and divorces and scandals and this and that. And many of them are checking out. Many of them are committing suicide. People who are in the limelight are taking guns and killing themselves, hanging themselves in nooses. And you're like, what in the world's going on? If this is the true way that we find happiness, then why are so many checking out that seem to have it? Notice there's a warning that we are to see to it. There are things in the Christian life and walk for you as an individual that you need to see to. Colossians 2.8, see to it. What should you see to? Well, look at uh, verse 16 of the same chapter. It says, therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Look at verse 18, chapter 2. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement, denial of the body, worship of angels. All of this was apparently coming at the Colossian believers. Taking his stand on visions that he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. And not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire uh, body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth, notice, which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why as if you were living in the world do you submit yourself to degrees such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? I could go on, but here's the point. That's a future message. Here's the point. There are things that you and I need to see to. We need to see to it that we don't get captivated by worldly philosophy that is filled with empty deception. And by the way, this is not just in the philosophical circles in the university. This is also in arms of the professing church that says to you, Christ, oh, Faith in Christ, no, that's not quite enough. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. You gotta not do this and not do that. Certainly there are things as Christians that we do and don't do. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter one for a second. It's been said at the end of every day, every Christian should come to the end of a day and say, I did what I did because I'm a follower of Christ today. And every Christian should come to the end of their day and say, I didn't do certain things today because I'm a follower of Christ. It's just that simple, folks. I should be able to survey my week and come to the end of my week and say, I did certain things this week because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I didn't do other things because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our philosophy. Paul says, Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.17, did not send me to baptize, 1 Corinthians 1.17, but to preach the gospel. Not in cleverness of speech that the cross of Christ should not be made void. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it, the preaching of the cross, is the power of God. For it is written, verse 19, chapter 1 of Corinthians, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man, says Paul? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, 
God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all of Pastor Michael Lance's teachings to date. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. They love it. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block and to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are called, are the called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Back to Colossians 2. Paul mentions here that we are not to be captivated by man's tradition. Jesus, when he confronted the Pharisees, several times in the New Testament record says, you elevate the tradition of man above the word of God. Does the word of God settle it for you? If the word of God uh, makes your choices uncomfortable, will you submit to the word of God above your feelings, above your emotions, above other books that may tell you, oh, this is okay, or try to give you a new inventive interpretation of an old standard text. You know, what we often try to do is look for loopholes to excuse our own philosophies. The question is, are we willing to bow to God's? Man's philosophies are hollow and deceptive, if you have the NIV, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, the basic principles of the world rather than Christ. See the word basic principles or the phrase elementary principles. There's a little debate on what this means. There's a couple of ideas here in terms of the basic principles of the world. Some people say it means the ABCs. It means uh, kind of the, the basic core platforms of the subject, uh, reading from one of the commentators. It it is the elementary principles or the basic principles of the world. This phrase can refer to the letters of the alphabet, the notes of a musical scale, or the propositions of geometry. And all God's people said, (laughs) man, algebra and geometry. Those of you who are good at that stuff, I really highly respect you. In Paul's day and after, the word was used to denote the fundamental components of the universe, the elements from which all matter was composed, usually identified with air, earth, fire, and water. Wasn't that a band from the 70s? Earth, wind, fire. Anyway. It could also refer to the essential principles of a particular area of study. The word also came to be used for spiritual beings. Philo says... Some nations have made divinities of the four elements, earth and water and air and fire, others of the sun and moon, and of other planets and fixed stars, others again of the whole world. This tendency to spiritualize or divinize the material elements was a strong cultural current that the people of God had to fight against all the way through the history of the people of God. 
And people lived in fear of the planetary movements and stars. People like Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, Alexander the Great wouldn't make a move without consulting the stars first. Can you imagine? What's my horoscope say today? It always cracks me up with the fortune cookie thing. Would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter four? I'm always curious about the fortune cookie thing. Is there any reality to this at all? And I'm always mandated to eat the fortune cookie because I like sweets, especially after a meal. So one time I opened one up, I was sitting having lunch with my son, and it said, you have a creative gene in you and you are very artistic and creative. And I said, well, that's a bunch of bull. (laughs) Because I don't have a creative gene in me. I'm surrounded by creative people, my son, my wife. My boys, but not me. I didn't get it. Anyway, just a personal story. Deuteronomy 4, 19 says, And beware, Deuteronomy 4, 19, lest you lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the host of heaven and be drawn away and worship them and serve them. Those which the Lord your God has allotted or apportioned to all the peoples under the whole heaven. Here's what mankind does. They begin, Romans 1, if you turn back to Colossians, they worship and serve the created thing rather than the creator who is what? Blessed forevermore. If you turn to Colossians 2, here's the point. People not only consulted the stars back in the day, and they still do today, they actually lived in fear of them. There were some people who said, if you were born under a lucky star, your future looked bright, pun intended. There was even a song, isn't it? You are my lucky star. How many of you have sung that song to your spouse? None of you? There's no romantic people in the room? If I sang it, there would be no romance left. (laughs) Not a good singing voice. They had them, they called them these astral spirits. And if you were born under an unlucky or unfortunate star, then, sorry, dude, your life's just going to be a bummer. That's it. That was an attempt at an 80s teenager. (laughs) Dude, my stars aren't lining up, man. And God says, do you know who made the stars? Do you know who calls them all by name? Don't look to the sun and the moon. And those are things that God can just go clap on, clap off. Sorry if you didn't get that one either. (laughs) And we look to the created thing rather than the creator. Many people get stuck looking to humanity. Oh, everything is based upon whether or not I can please this people group and be in with this person. Or, and we get caught up in these life philosophies rather than saying, you know what? It's about what God cares about me, what says about me. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience, can I put it this way, the philosophy of Christ. 
We have an ultimate leader that we follow. And some of you may be wrestling with whether or not he's worthy to follow. I understand that. I think that it's reasonable that you would check out the evidence. There's a movie out right now. It's based upon the case of Christ's story. Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you may have seen it, but it's Lee Strobel's story. And Lee was an atheist. He was working for the Chicago Tribune newspaper, very, uh, you know, exalted position in terms of the, that world. And he was an, admittedly an alcoholic, and his wife became a Christian. And he said, in his own words, I heard him being interviewed recently, he said that when his wife became a Christian, he said it was the worst thing that ever could have happened to him. That's, that was his thinking at the moment. This is the worst thing that could ever happen because now this Jesus guy is in front of me and I got a problem with that, right? You can imagine if someone is a non-Christian and the wife gets saved and she starts saying, Jesus is my love, he's first. You're like, wait a minute, what about me? And he said he was, he was literally jealous of Jesus. My wife is following this Jesus. So he set out on a journey to disprove Christianity, to disprove the resurrection, using methods that he would use as a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And you know what he found? He found as he began to research the evidence and to try to disprove it, and by the way, Lee Strobel's not the first to do this. There have been attorneys and skeptics who've done their homework and been converted as they did their research against Christianity. That's how powerful the evidence is. And he got saved. And his book, The Case for Christ, has obviously made a huge impact in the world. For, the word for is a connecting phrase, Colossians 2.9, tells you that the rest of the argument does collect, connect to uh, Colossians 2.8. For, in him, and here's the question, you know, is it true that in Christ is all we need? In him, notice, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In these circles, some people say it's early forms of Gnosticism that was this false teaching in Colossae. They would teach about this fullness. It's a term that they used. They believed that the divine, here's the Greek word pleruma, was divided in its expressions among the various emanations. Each got a decreasing share as they descended the ladder from good to bad. Paul, however, insists that all the fullness of deity, not part of it, dwells in Christ. Dwells means to settle down and to be at home. The present tense indicates that the essence of deity continually abides at home in Christ. All the fullness of the deity dwells in Christ in bodily form so that Jesus could say in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now in Old Testament times, in the life of Israel, God dwelt in a temple. At least his Shekinah glory would, would descend upon it. But technically, he didn't dwell there because even Solomon said, well, you know, I can't make a house big enough for you to dwell in. But he would allow his, his glory or his Shekinah to come on the tabernacle in the temple at given times. But now, God's expression, if you, if you will, in the new covenant, God does not dwell in buildings made with hands, but he did dwell in a body in a different kind of temple. And he dwelt in Christ in his fullness. That's a hard thing to grasp, isn't it? 
Well, the doctrine of the incarnation is a tough one to grasp, that the fullness of deity dwells in Christ in bodily form. But that is the truth of the Bible, that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. And really, that makes more sense than all the worldly philosophies that are out there and the beliefs of our time. And it's important that we understand this doctrine and equip ourselves to share it with others because it's awesome news. God with us. Wow. Well, I need to remind you that Walk in Truth is a radio ministry that's paid for and supported by listeners like you, paying for production and airtime. And we would love to accept uh, invitations we are getting from other radio stations really across the nation, but we can't do that unless we have the funds. Would you partner with us to make that possible? Would you partner with us to help us to reach more people like you? Well, you can reach out to us and support us and become a monthly partner at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. If you'd like to send a donation by mail, here's the address. It's Walk in Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. One more time, Walk in Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way, think of the armor of God, Corona, California, 92880. I'd like to thank you for your donation. When we hear from you, We'll be sure to send you my book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy. Well, we've run out of time for today's program, so may the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He strengthen you in your walk with Jesus Christ. And we'll come back to hear more on a study called C28. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.